there were a lot of things about the whole thing that upset me, but the one that I thought was the most egregious was actually not only taking him and giving him a new contract, guaranteed money, a bigger salary and everything else, but actually help him protect himself from the consequences of his actions, even if completely guilty. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Special edition today, my old friend, former president of the Eagles and the Browns. The Browns, I say, because it's relevant. Joe Banner will join me on the podcast today to chop it up about Deshaun Watson with perspectives that are truly unique, hopefully from my end, but certainly from his end. Joe Banner on a special edition of the Business of Sports. We're brought to you by our DraftKings as usual, and we will get right to our special guest this week, talking about all things, the former president of the Eagles and the Browns, Joe Banner. I always like to have Joe on the podcast. One of my good friends, I always say this, you know, when I came in the NFL, I never managed a cap. I never worked on player contracts from the team side, only from the agent side. And there's people that stand out, you remember throughout your life, that really sort of helped you out, that really kind of served as sounding boards and mentors and I hope everyone listening has that as they progress through their career. But Joe Banner was certainly that for me, running the Eagles at the time and sort of learning from afar and then up close on how he dealt with the cap and the contracts and the business of the NFL, which now I run a podcast that he's been a repeat visitor. He's back today. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Appreciate it. Ditto. And, uh, glad to be with you. Yeah, it's always good to have you to chop it up from our angles. And I... We have a lot to talk about, but let's just start with the biggest topic of all. I was stunned like you were. Um, it's almost been a week. It still feels like the reverberations are all around us. Deshaun Watson gets a uh, stunning contract and was with a team that you were president of, the Cleveland Browns. That was out. <laughs> it was down to Saints and Falcons. <laughs> and then got back in before we even heard they were in. They were in with a contract and a five-year commitment. Um, I have so many ways to go here, but I'm just going to let you give your first reaction. Well, my first reaction was total Absolutely. shock just because of the their out story, yeah. which seemed credible and made some sense as you thought about what he seemed to be looking for. We talked about some frustration with the owner. It seemed like it was political. That's not that different. Talked a lot about wanting to stay in the South. At least that was the impression we had. Obviously, this is, is probably a toughest city climate, maybe other than Green Bay, that we have in the entire you know NFL that's playing outside. Um, and you know, it is a team that I think has built a good roster. So I do think he can make a big difference there on the field. But I don't want to really skip over because I don't think it's getting the attention it deserves kind of the circumstance surrounding it. And, uh, I mean, I certainly have empathy in my mind as to the women that came forward and took the risk to make these accusations. Um, and I'm in favor of second chances, but they have to come after rehabilitation, you know, acknowledgement, you know, all the things that come with doing the right thing and leaving us confident going forward, you're going to do the right thing. So, you know, for me, it's it's really a game changer to see somebody with this in this situation actually benefit from it and create a contract that's going to change the NFL. I mean, I don't even consider that conjecture. Yeah, we're going to get to the contract. I said this and you just reiterated it. It's just fascinating to me. And 
just sad. I, I don't know what other word to say. Through his own misconduct, he created the perfect storm of, of a situation where he was, you and I say this often, the only way you get to true empowerment is free agency. Kirk Cousins proved that with three years fully guaranteed, but he wasn't a free agent, but he was. So he became a free agent, if you will, because of his misconduct. That, that just continues to rattle around my brain. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure there's any way to really do something about this. I mean, there are some things you could do, not allow a guy to put a cut here, one salary so low that his suspension brings with it virtually no fine. Yeah. Um, but really, there's not much you can really do about it if we're talking about the nuts and bolts of how the league uh, operates. But I can't imagine it feels right to anybody that he benefited in such a consequential way. Um, and I understand when we get to court, you're innocent until proven guilty, but we're not held to that standard in our conversations and our adjustments and our interpretations of things as individuals. I just find it extremely hard to believe 22 women came forward and we're not talking about some significant uh, inappropriate behavior. Um, it almost seems like the, if we, if it is those four teams, the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, and Browns felt emboldened by the lack of criminal indictment yeah. that happened a few weeks ago. And there's a lot of reporting on that, that there were nine women sitting out there and they only called one, et cetera. I don't know what went to that. I mean, you not only know the Browns, but you know Arthur Blank, mm -hmm. you know the Benson family, you know of Tepper certainly. That's the new owner in Carolina. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna bash the Browns, but three other teams were begging, and who knows how many else that didn't meet the trade prequalification with the Texans. Yep. What's uh, going on? Is it just just you gotta you can't get a player like this so whatever that you hit it, <laughs> you hit it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I do believe he's an outstanding player. I do believe he makes any team on the field, you know, massively better locker room to be determined, you know, financial risk, considering the guarantees and the size of the contract to be determined. I mean, you know, this could end up being a very bad move could end up being a positively transforming, you know, move as well. Um, and, I don't know. I wonder if any of those other people would have gone this far. So that's why I say to me, I'm not necessarily sitting here saying he should never have gotten to play football again. I don't think that's kind of a fair position because of what we don't know. It could be the fair position once we fill in all the blanks. Right. And you're right. That Friday hearing seemed to just shift everything. And it, it was consequential, but it shouldn't have just turned everything upside down. I mean, there are still 13 women in a civil suit that haven't been considered a criminal suit. So that isn't completely gone. It's likely gone, but it isn't completely gone. There's also the possibility of new evidence coming in, which would expose them again to criminal charges. So I think we'd probably agree those are unlikely scenarios, but they're not off the table scenarios. And now he's sitting with a $230 million guaranteed contract. You know, some people won't realize what you and I were. There's some subtleties in the deal that are also game changing. Um, he as, as it's been explained to me by someone who was involved in the negotiation, the guarantees do not go away if he is suspended for anything mm. that's happened up until today. Now we, you and I have never seen that. The highest mm. character quarterback player in the league has language to the contrary. If you get suspended, your guarantees go away. So here we take somebody with all this hanging out there, yeah. some blanks filled in, a whole bunch of blanks not filled in. Um, 
but there is a, a there is a moral I really want to sound like Mr. Kumbaya, but there is a moral element to this that uh, just feels wrong, clearly sends the wrong message to women who are contemplating coming forward in these kinds of instances who, for what I think are legitimate reasons, have been hesitant to do so for decades, maybe forever. Uh, and now we've set up a system that kind of makes them feel less believed than even before and see somebody reward rewarded for putting themselves in a the position to have these accusations made against them. I'm going to put you in a position where people I've been on podcasts this week where people ask me the same thing. So you're, you're in that seat, Joe, and uh, your personnel people come to you saying exactly what I just said, what you agreed with. You can't get a player like this. You never, they never come free. They'll never be free agents to trade. I mean, the trades obviously got already done. Um, and maybe they say, yeah, fans and media will be upset, but they'll get over it. And if he's suspended, it's just one year out of a five-year deal. And what do you say? <laughs> I say you don't I'm have to. Tired because I don't want to have to make those decisions <laughs> anymore. So I'm, I'm happier sitting on the couch and scrutinizing and critiquing right. them and actually too. making them and have a, having to live with the consequences. I mean, listen, if you're in that building and you advocated for this and it turns out, let's say there's some future problems and you're sitting there with a $230 million bill, you risk judge up to do this. So, you know, in a way that's really disappointing. In a way, I kind of admire the courage. We don't see enough people, you know, fighting for what they believe in, even if it's something you disagree with and, and risking their, their jobs. But, um, I mean, here's my answer. I would have been willing to put my team in motion. And my team in this instance would have been my HR people, my security people, my top personnel people, and let them move forward with analyzing and exploring the situation. I personally, with 13 potential accusers out there who could come forward on the criminal case and new evidence that's potential, 22 civil cases outstanding, and a player that has not said, you know, I regret what I did. I'm sorry. Here's the steps I've taken to improve myself as a man, a person, some point to father, a husband. And here are the reasons you should feel confident it's not going to happen again. Without those things and without, frankly, a fully guaranteed contract that took all the risk off of the player and put it on the team, I couldn't have moved forward. But if I'm completely honest with myself, I would have looked into it. I would have explored it to see if I could get comfortable with some of those unknowns. But certainly at the point in time they did it and the way they did it, if I'd been sitting in that seat, I would have I would have blocked it, frankly. And in the situations I was in, I would have had the power to do it. I would have said, listen, it's not the only way to get there. And we need to find another way to get there. I understand how tempting it is. I understand how bad we all want to win and how amazing it feels when you win and how tough it is when you don't. I get all of that. But 32 teams for whatever, 80 years have found a way to build their teams and be successful without having to take this kind of step, this kind of risk, this kind of immoral statement in my mind. And that's who we're going to be. Now, had I had more time and those questions came back, I can't tell you I would not have contemplated signing him, but not with the information we have at the moment and not with anything even remotely like the contract that they gave him. It's so interesting. As you say, the plan you would have put in place with your team, I, I watched that firsthand. Uh, for people who don't know, I assisted Joe as a consultant, and I saw you do that exact thing with a player named Michael Vick. Now, we're let's just be clear. We're talking about dogs, not women, okay? We are talking about dogs, not women. But I saw you and Jeff Lurie put the 
plan in place before we made commitments to the agent. Um, and what I remember, Joe, is there was a lot of backlash internally with corporate sponsors, corporate salespeople, and obviously the picketers, um, because we had to keep it so stealth. We had to keep it completely stealth that Michael Vick was going to be an eagle. Mm -hmm. and all the no shows are blaring about all these other teams. Um, any parallels there? Well, there's definitely parallels. I mean, I've pointed out to a few people that I've been interviewed by this also some really significant differences. Right. You know, we were just talking about the things I would need to be able to check the box of at least knowing the answers to before I could get comfortable with Deshaun. And Michael Vick was the same way. I mean, we were lucky that um, he had acknowledged, you know, his crimes. He had actually had what we thought was a more aggressive penalty, punishment, jail time uh, than most people in similar cases. Um, he was incredibly repentant. We were able to talk to people who were literally treating him um, and people that were mentoring him. Are, I'm not comfortable mentioning most of the names, but he mentioned himself. So Tony Dungy was one of the people yeah. at the time that had a close relationship with with Michael. And, and there were a group of others. So we, we really were able to get enough information to make an educated projection that could have been wrong, by the way. We didn't make that decision without some fear of whether it was the right thing to do, how would people react? And you're right, we had a very, very strong short-term reaction. Uh, you probably recall we were planning, I think it was like two days from when the announcement leaked out in the middle of a preseason game, um, which was exactly how we didn't want it to happen because we didn't want to go through the meetings with the appropriate people and understanding some of them wouldn't agree, but at least they deserved an explanation as to why we did what we did and why we, we viewed it as uh, okay to do. Um, so those circumstances were all very different. And then Michael's first contract was, was actually written as two years, but it was really a one-year contract at a very, very modest price. In fact, an extremely low price for a starting quarterback at that time. Yeah, I worked yeah. on it. <laughs> so there were, there were huge differences. And that's why I say with the questions that were still open, I couldn't have moved forward with Deshaun. Now, that doesn't mean if I had two more weeks or a month and I had a chance to actually talk to a variety of people on all sides of the argument. Um, and grew confident that the behavior that was alleged either didn't happen or was definitely had no risk of repeating before I could have seriously considered, you know, whether or not Deshaun was the right move. We were able to do those things with, with Michael. Um, and we were comfortable that his acknowledgement and, you know, I hate to say it this way because I hate the cliche, but he had kind of paid his dues. That didn't mean what he did was forgiven. By the way, all of the people, me, Andy Reid, Jeff Lurie, who were intimately involved in the decision, are all dog lovers. So that wasn't you know, irrelevant uh, to us. And we knew how uh, people would, would react. And we faced all of the PR, the picketers, all those kinds of things. But I do have to tell you, they, they, they will be right, I think, to an extent. If they think there'll be a period, they'll be extremely uncomfortable and unpleasant. And then people will move on and they'll have the benefit of what he brings to the field. And the PR element of this will kind of diminish, wither, whatever word you want to use, over a relatively short period of time, which is unfortunate and probably why they felt they could do it. Back with Joe in a minute, a word from Athletic Greens. I use it every day. I started taking it because I wanted to make sure I get the greens and don't always get them when I'm going through a busy day. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. You just pour it into your water every morning. I drink it every morning. Rain or shine every day, AG1. It's the one thing, uses the best products, latest science, costs you less than $3 a day, and it's an investment in health, cheaper than any kind of cold brew habit. 
you're investing in all-in-one nutritional insurance. It's got 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by athletes, by leading health experts. Michael Gervais is one. I listened to it. The founder created it, how he was finding it, like me, difficult to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. So this makes it easy. Just a scoop in water, stir it up, drink it every morning. Easy, good tasting. Make it even easier. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. It's going to be with your first purchase. You get all that. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BOS. That's for business of sports. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash BOS. Take ownership over your health. Pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's talk about the contract, and we'll talk about the full guarantee, but the first year, a lot's been made of this. So for people who don't know, you take the first year down to minimum salary, you give the rest in a bonus. Bonuses are not subject to forfeiture when it comes to suspension game salaries are. So if it's down to the minimum, he's losing the minimum. If he had a high salary, obviously he'd lose a lot more. They clearly structured it towards that to benefit the player with a pending suspension coming. I've seen people come at me and you uh, say, well, they do that all the time. You know, like they'll do it for cap purposes with Aaron Rodgers, with Tom Brady, with all these new big free agent signings. I don't think they're doing it for cap room. And, and I checked, uh, the, the Browns cap is not a problem. Uh, I'll let you respond. Well, I totally agree. First of all, um, and their, their cap, these dollars aren't needed. In fact, I would have, even if let's just say we're talking just football for a second, I never would have put this deal where the cap number was that much lower in year one than it's going to need to be in future years. Partially because I'm assuming, hopefully we're right, he's going to be suspended for some period of time. So his first year is actually my least likely year to be successful because of him. Right. So I actually want to get out of the way a bunch of the cap dollars in this year that he probably can't take them all the way to the Super Bowl. And have a lower charge in the future when we're really trying to build a team around him that can go all the way. And his salary means he's always going to take up a big chunk of your cap. So... The other thing to be aware of, if people don't know, and I haven't really seen it covered as much as I think it should, because I share your view that that isn't the reason this was done. When the Browns have, have re-signed their own players, they do have a history of including a pretty low salary in year one. But in the deals that they've gone to free agency, that's not what they've done. Um, first deal I looked up was Conklin, the right tackle that they signed a free agency two years ago, his first year salary. That bonus was $5 million. Mm-hmm. So this is not completely consistent, you know, with their history, which is a little bit more bifurcated than most of us. Most of, most of us treat a free agent at our own signings. We try to create precedents and then stick with them. Right. But they've actually treated the two groups at least somewhat differently in some deals. So I think there's a lot of reasons to skept, be skeptical that the explanation was we want to maximize cap availability in year one. That's not smart from a football perspective. And they do have very smart people there that would understand that. Uh, and it isn't 
the, the history that they've had when it comes to signing free agents. So for those primary reasons, not just trying to be cynical or skeptical, um, I think they did this to help the player and frankly eliminate one area in which there was a cost for his actions if we reach the point where people decide that his actions warrant some kind of a penalty or consequence from a football perspective. I mean, the women will take and their lawyers will take care of, you know, what they decide to do. The court system has made kind of a preliminary decision, the criminal part of it. So what's left is a consequence well into his football career that the league really controls to some extent the end of the Browns. And so they minimize the cost of that in a way that is really uncomfortable to me. In fact, I, I said that there were a lot of things about the whole thing that upset me, but the one that I thought was the most egregious was actually not only taking him and giving him a new contract, guaranteed money, a bigger salary and everything else, but actually help him protect himself from the consequences of his actions, even if completely guilty. And I, I thought that was just a whole nother level even of uh, something I couldn't do or support. I mean, it's, it sounds so obvious, but it's all a function of bidding, right? I mean, at some point, you're right, he's from the South. You know, the, the Browns were out. And, and mm -hmm. this is just, it seems so obvious. They just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, and basically letting his agent write the contract, it seems, yeah. where you don't know where the Saints and the Falcons were willing to go. But it seems obvious to us if Saints and Falcons were willing to go there, they'd, he'd be there. You know, he's right. from the South. <laughs> it's a whole, he doesn't like cold weather, whatever. It's, so anyway, the, the question is we're dealing with now, both of us, is the precedential value of this contract. Now, if you're in the seat of a star quarterback coming to you and asking for this kind of deal, you and I would say what we just said. This was unique completely unique throwaway can never happen. You know what? He was a free agent and you're not a free agent because quarterbacks like this never get to free agency. But even saying that with people in our former position saying that you think it's going to have a huge impact. I do because I think, and I, I view this as positive. I know some of my, uh, former fellow workers in the NFL won't like hearing me say this, but um, the players are realizing how much more leverage they have than they've ever used in recent years. And I think that trend's going to continue. So now let's take the existence of this contract with a player who's a top-tier quarterback that the team losing will be in terrible shape if they allow something to get to that situation like what happened, let's say, with a Russell Wilson. There's no way, in my opinion, that team is better after that trade than they were before that trade. I just, teams aren't that tough. They aren't that strong. General managers aren't willing to lose for a year or two till they find the next guy for fear of their own careers. So the next, my, my belief is this will happen very gradually over a fairly long period of time. What we'll see next is the top quarterbacks who have all the leverage and who are the most important and hardest to find players in the game, we'll start pushing for the same thing. Now, as that happens, we'll get to more quarterbacks, to a second tier of quality quarterbacks. And then it's going to be, you know, Joey Bosa, just to make up a name of the next, you know, impact position, the top tier player that's going to try to make the same demand. We just don't see a history of teams standing up to those players now that they understand that the leverage they have and they're using it and risk 
short-term pain to avoid doing something that makes them uncomfortable. And you mentioned this briefly before, part of that is because teams create precedents and they tend to be consistent about them and that's a smart thing to do. And agents generally accept that as long as you're not creating yeah. exceptions. But you can't represent you know, a top tier quarterback right now and walk back to him and say, yeah, you know, even with all the stuff he had and how great you play, what a great citizen you are, how much you've done in the community, I can't get you the same. The agent can't go back to the player and say that. He's got a real good chance of getting fired. And, and I don't think the history is there that the teams stand up with the strength they need to. Um, so I do see this expanding. I do see it taking a long time. I don't see like next year all of a sudden. By the way, people should all really realize the big change here is because we have seen players getting a higher and higher percentage of guaranteed deals. Right. But they've come with doing shorter and shorter deals. Right. What was really unique here is he kept the full length, for lack of a better term, of a five-year deal and still got the full guarantee or in some cases, he's in a high guarantee percentage. In fact, some of the free agents this year signed extremely high percentage uh, guarantees in their deals, 60, 70% in some of them, which I think is great progress and something we haven't seen before. But they were forced to take a short deal to do that, or they preferred a short deal to do that, whichever was the case. What's changed here is a player with all kinds of question marks and risks, an owner who's willing to pay him this, and by the way, as you know, and I don't want to get too in the weeds with the public, this may be far too. They have to fund yeah. the guaranteed money in this contract. Brings us back to the days that you and I were there when there were a lot of fights between high revenue teams and low revenue teams. The, the league created some rules so that the difference was mitigated. I don't want to say eliminate, but mitigated. Well, if we go back to having to have massive amounts of cash to fund quarterback deals, for examples, where the league is going to be back on the owner's side in a fight about low revenue versus high revenue. Mm. I prefer to call it low cash flow versus high cash flow because the revenue can be misleading, especially if you're, you got purchase debt or stadium construction debt. Re gross revenue to me is not a good standard to compare the teams right. to each other. Right. But cash flow is going to go back into being a major issue and larger market teams are going to have an advantage over smaller market. So I think we're going to see some heavy duty, intense discussions amongst the owners about how to go back to, because listen, the owners in the league get accused of a lot of things about greed and caring about money and all that kind of stuff. And some of it I think is fair and some of it I don't think is fair to be honest. But what the owners unanimously do agree with and the commissioner too, is that competitive balance has served the league extremely well from both a competitive and a financial basis. And this type of contract runs the risk of damaging competitive balance in a way that could be really profound. So I think we're going to see the league also take, take some actions here. It could be around funding, you know, could maximize how much you can fund at any given time in a, in a, in a different way than it's done now. Um, and again, I, I'm not sure the public understands all the details of that, but kind of trust us <laughs> when you write this kind of a guaranteed contract, you got to kind of what, what the public would think of put into escrow or put into some, you know, compartmentalized where you can't use it. And it's, it's held, you know, I think the number is something like $145 million next yeah. March 1st that they have to put into this account. There are teams that cannot do that. So what does that mean? If they get a star quarterback and three years from now he wants to sign a deal, they have to let him go. They have to trade him because they can't afford that kind of a deal. I mean, I don't think the league's going to let itself be in that position. So I think we've just seen the beginning of the changes this contract's going to cause on both sides. It's hard to know who's going to be the next, you know, to sort of want this structure, want to, to be paid like this. I mean, what value now look teams like the Chiefs and Bills have with long, long deals? 
with Mahomes and Allen, you know, a year from now, Burrow and Herbert are going to come up for extensions. And this is where we are, right? They're going to say, hey. And the team's going to say, hey, you know, you're only negotiating with us. You don't have four teams. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if there's a quarterback I'm missing in my mind that's going to approach this before those two come up next year. But a lot of value with these long deals that are already in place right now based on what just happened. Yep, there's no doubt. And I do think, I mean, could you be Joe Barrow's agent and not walk in and tell him we're getting a guaranteed contract? I mean, he should fire you if you do, frankly. Yeah. And can you picture the Bengals who have waited literally decades to have a player of this caliber at that position saying, you know, what are they going to say? We don't care if you sit out, we'll play the backup. No, they're not going to say that. You know, we don't care if we just went from the thrill of going to a Super Bowl to probably coming in fourth place in, you know, a reasonably difficult division. They're not going to say that. I mean, you can go to a play and say, listen, you're under contract to us. You can either play or retire. Yeah. It's not going to happen that way. So they, he will end up with a guaranteed contract. Now, will it be three, four or five years that they could fight about that? But there's no way he's not getting a guaranteed contract. And frankly, he should get a guaranteed contract at this point yeah. based on what he brings to the table and the circumstance that led to this guaranteed contract. But there's the funding issue you just talked about. There's a low market team, low revenue team, small yeah. market would have that issue. Definitely Mike Brown would have that issue. By the way, so would uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. They're, they're, they were a reasonably sound economically uh, team. At least we put them in the middle of the pack when they were in San Diego. But the costs of moving to LA and the way they've been received, they're now a low revenue team. By the mm -hmm. way, with a ton of expenses, they had to pay the league a huge fee just to move yeah. to LA. They paid for a piece of the stadium. They pay a rent. I mean, they're they're not a highly profitable team relative to the other teams in the league. Um, so those two teams are going to really face this question if the rules aren't changed on funding. Now, the league's not going to want to change rules on funding because, by the way, funding change of the rules that address what happened with Watson will actually uh, make it more likely that you can do the guaranteed contracts if you make it easier to not fund the guarantees. Right. The league's not going to want that. They're going to want... To kind of pretend, as you referenced earlier, all the teams are going to argue, this is an aberration. We're not using this. It's an outlier. Um, but if you change the funding rules in a way that the less, the lower revenue teams don't get squeezed by this, you're actually helping the cause of those who are looking for guaranteed contracts. Exactly. Yeah. So they want to keep it. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see how they figure out how to handle that dilemma. And it's going to be interesting to see the meetings, as you and I have been to so many of them, the, they start this weekend in Florida, and uh, how many side-eyes or not will go towards Jimmy Haslam? Yeah, listen, I'm sure what people are saying behind his back. <laughs> I don't know what they'll say when they see him or how this will get discussed in the, uh, in, in the league meeting. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of owners in the league, more than people recognize, um, who are very focused on things that are good or bad for the league. Obviously, in addition to caring about what's good or bad for them, um, they tend to be some of the more uh, historic, longer-term ownerships. And frankly, people that are, uh, you know, their primary business, their primary income, et cetera, is their football team. Um, and those people are going to be really, really, you know, unhappy with what happened here. Yeah. I mean, we saw the arguments over just this high revenue, low revenue debate. Yeah. And I actually think this is even more consequential than that. And that really divided the owners, legitimate 
hardcore upsetness, anger within the group. And now we have something that, at least in my opinion, is even more consequential and frankly, completely unnecessary. <laughs> and now we put ourselves back in a position with some of the issues that have been solved, especially around the issue of creating and continuing competitive balance, yeah. are now all completely reopened. Hey, sports betting fans, football might be over, but now it's time for the madness. DraftKings, the leading sportsbook app, is here to help you and your friends get in the game with different ways to fund your DraftKings account. Did you know you can fund your DraftKings account with cash? Yes. Just sign up DraftKings Sportsbook app, select Fund with Cash in the payment section, get a digital barcode, then just take your cash barcode to any one of our thousands of participating stores. It's super easy. While you're there, pick up a DraftKings gift card. Don't know what gets your buddy for his birthday. Don't know how to say thanks to a neighbor who carried a sofa up three flights of stairs with you. Want to give yourself an early Father's Day present? Always DraftKings gift card. Done and done and done. Just visit DraftKingsGiftCard.com. Find a participating store near you. March is here. Get in the game with these two awesome, fun and easy account funding options at DraftKings, the leading sportsbook app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, our time's limited. A couple other things that have happened in these busiest two weeks of the year in the NFL business. Um, quarterback Ricochet out of this one. We, you mentioned Russell Wilson briefly earlier. You know, my reaction there is this never really resolved from like a year ago where there's just mm-hmm. a little bit of tension. And he yeah. saw the Brady thing and, hey, that sounds, you know, some input. And, and then Matt Ryan, the face of the franchise for 15 years, even after they didn't get Deshaun Watson. They move on from him. Your quick thoughts on those two. Well, I mean, with Matt, it, it seems like, and I think they're a year late on this, but I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, you've got a quarterback, and if, you, if they're really honest with themselves, they weren't going to be a top team for at least two to three years. In two to three years, Matt Ryan probably isn't there. Or he's maybe like in his last year of playing football. So this, this year or last year when they changed coaches and GMs, to me is the right moment to step back rebuild the foundation, go from there, and have a real chance in three or four years to be a top team. Now, obviously, they're going to face the dilemma of finding a quarterback that's good enough to get there. But Matt wasn't going to be there in three years anyway, or at least at this level um, and at that expense. So I think it was the right move. I also think it was a a good move for Indy, um, although I don't think there's a huge difference, in my opinion, between Matt Ryan and um, uh, uh, Mariota. Yeah. So had the had the Colts kept the picks and the money and signed Mariota instead, I'm not sure they're that much worse. So I'm not sure if I would have done it if I was in the Colts seat or not. But for Matt Ryan, it's a great opportunity. He's got a team that's positioned to win and compete other than they're in the AFC, which is I was joking with an owner the other day, day who's in the AFC and at the moment has an OK team that. If he really wanted to do something to change his trajectory, he should go to the league and lobby to be switched. <laughs> You know, once upon a time, we traded a couple of teams from the yeah. AFC to the NFC or restructured the divisions that that was probably more important than any player he could sign uh, at this point. So, um, 
I mean, I think those have worked out in the best interest of everybody. I was wondering at the time, could they bring back Matt Ryan back if they didn't get the Sean Watson? I mean, the guy's been with you 15 years and, you know, we saw how um, Aaron Rodgers reacted to what appeared to be kind of an insult, slight, um, sacrificing the short term for a long term benefit, which wouldn't accrue to him. Um, so I was sitting there wondering, gee, could they bring him back? Is there really a relationship there, a connection where he could kind of overlook this and come back? Um, I think we got the answer to the question when they pursued Deshaun, it was actually a decision to make a quarterback change, not just a pursuit of Deshaun. Yeah. And it was also a decision to kind of rebuild the team as opposed to just try to do that, you know, a player at a time on the fly while you're trying to be competitive. So I think that worked out the way it should and probably in everybody's best interest in the long run. Uh, Carson Wentz is a mystery. <laughs> I watched him here in Philly. I thought big, strong, highest character, high work ethic, escapability, all of it. And it's descended since there. And now he's in Washington after being with his one champion in the NFL, Frank Reich, even that didn't last. Uh, Sometimes all the noise and rumors, you you have to ignore it, especially with sources uh, about him having some mental fragility. But when you hear it so many times, you just have to wonder your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are I'm not sure I know what, but I think at this point to think there's no there there. Yeah. Is kind of being a little bit uh, naive. Um, I mean, to me, I'm where you are with you described it. I mean, I've never seen this in sports, period. I mean, I thought it was the right guy to pick in the draft. I applauded them for being aggressive with the picks they gave up to get there. I thought it was smart to give him the contract extension when they did. And had he been a good player, that would have been true because he was massively below the contracts we're seeing now. Remember, he'd only have been one year into that new deal if he'd stayed at the Eagles and everything was good. So... You know, we're in the beginning of what would have been that deal. Yeah. Um, but at some point, you got to go, wait a second. You know, there's only so long you can blame everybody around him before you got to say, even if I can't quantify it, there's something going on here. I mean, he absolutely went from being an elite player to a player that the Eagles decided they would rather spend $30 million to not have him on the team yeah. than $30 million to have him on the team. I mean, just think about what drives a team to the point where they're going to eat $30 million, which was basically the sum rounding it off, by the way, but $30 million. They just said, okay, it's going to cost us $30 million either way. Cost $30 million to keep him, $30 million to get rid of him. We'd rather spend the $30 million and not even have him here. Right. I mean, just think about how badly things must have broken down to make that decision. I mean, you could have waited one year later, the $30 million number became much yeah, smaller. Yeah. But they were like, no, we don't even want him on our team for a year. The Colts did the same thing this year when they decided to trade him. They did end up with some compensation. The contract had taken over. Good for them. But once they started tr- trying to trade him, they couldn't bring him back. He had already had a bad enough experience in year one. Now you can't bring him back after that. So they were also willing to say, in that case, maybe we're, we'd rather pay $25 million or eat $28 million in guarantees than have him on our team. And I consider both the Colts and Eagles amongst the smarter organizations in the league. This is not something they do frivolously. It's admitting a huge mistake in both cases. So, you know, if Washington thinks they're going to produce some different outcome, it's not impossible. We've seen surprising turnarounds, but I consider it highly, highly unlikely. Um, And it was a bad job of negotiating, even if he turns out to be a good play, to take on that full contract and have to give up compensation. Realizing the situation with the Colts, uh, there's just no chance in my mind they couldn't have negotiated a better deal than what they got. 
Yeah, their, their desperation showed they were even vocal about being in on every, you know, whatever they offered for Wilson, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they created their own demise in terms of negotiations. Um, you know, go ahead. Just one quick note on that. If, at least I'm right, that the we're going to see these guaranteed contracts now kind of start to get broader and over a long period of time become very broad. The next time you make a Carson Wentz mistake, you're going to be looking at a $134 million cap charge. You mean like a year or two into the deal? Yeah. If like what happened with him, I mean, they signed him two years early. He was just beginning the new contract when things fell apart. He had to be moved. The contract in its entirety was $134 million. So let's roll the tape forward a little bit. That $134 million, let's say, is fully guaranteed because that's yep. what will happen here relatively soon. And they decide he's not the answer. We've got to move him. First of all, no one will trade for him because they're taking on a $134 million guaranteed contract to a guy who's now not considered a top guy anymore. He's now a risk. Maybe he'll make it. Maybe he won't. I'm talking at the point the Colts picked him up. So that's now $134 million that the team is paying to somebody who's not playing. Uh, and by the way, and I don't think this is irrelevant, it's now $134 million they can't spend on other players. So yeah. if you happen to be on a team that isn't high revenue and signs a quarterback to a big guaranteed contract and then he falls short, the whole team is affected. Every player on that roster is affected by what the cash is left available to that team to spend on its rest of their roster. So what we saw happen with like Goff and Wentz after they'd signed that contracts, I can't even imagine what you're going to do if you find yourself in that position going forward with a fully guaranteed contract and you're very early in the deal. So it's just another angle in which this is going to be a major upheaval in team operations and cap management and cash management as well, um, which, as I've said, is a really important issue to the league because of the com competitive balance. It's really insightful. I Last couple of things, these two receivers, maybe two of the top three or four in the league, moved, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. I guess your thoughts, because it just seems to me that, yeah, money's a big part of this, and they both get new big contracts. But sometimes people don't realize, you know, one's, one's leaving Aaron Rodgers, one's leaving Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes there's more to, than meets the story. Yeah. And the teams are probably less upset than fans and media. I mean, teams just move on. And I saw Andy Reid saying caps and, and cap and, and draft picks were fine, you know. Yep. No, and I, listen, I, I think it remains to be seen who won, you know, those deals, so to speak. Um, and only Green Bay won. It could easily be both. Depends what they do with those picks and the money in the short term because that's the primary focus there. Um, but, I mean, I always felt like, and I think we've talked about this before, Yeah. You, difference making – top of their position players, you've got to find a way to keep. You've just got to do that. And if I was sitting in the seat, I say this knowing that at times I would not succeed at it. But you have to go into it without the plan. It's just so hard to find these top-tier, truly game-changing players. Um, and in Adam's case, there, is, there are no question marks about anything, about his character, his intelligence, his ability, you know, his his desire to win, et cetera. You know, Tariq is a little bit more of a complicated uh, situation. Um, and it seems like Adams was a combination of money and some personal feelings and desires, mostly around geography, but who knows. Tariq seems to me like it was just purely about money. 
mm-hmm. and he just wanted to maximize his income. And he went to a team that's not nearly as good with a quarterback that's not nearly as good and remains unproven and a huge health risk. Um, but again, I root. I think this is all rooted in, and I think you and I would agree, this is actually a good thing, even though the league doesn't like it, players realizing the power they have. Right. And they're not afraid to use it. Um, and that is going to grow. It's, that genie ain't going back in the bottom. Um, and players are going to get more opportunities to choose who they want to play with and where they want to play. Runs the risk that the good teams get even better, the weak teams get even worse, or the high revenue teams get better, the low revenue teams get worse. Um, but I don't think there's any stopping it. That's where we're headed. And people are now just seeing the tip of the iceberg. There's a big, big iceberg below the water that you're not seeing yet that we're heading to. But you're starting to see what this player empowerment and how it will impact the game and teams managing their... Something you you and I were very cognizant of in, in doing for our teams is getting the guys early and locking them up. Now, in Hill's case, he was locked up on an undermarket deal. But, you know, Adams, the Packers are very proactive. I know that. And for some reason, it didn't happen with Adams. It happened with Bakhtiari. It happened with Kenny Clark and others. But not... So something was going on there. And I just think... You, yeah, we'll leave it at that because players, things are happening. You know, we just talked about this. Players are getting out. You know, I didn't mention Randy Gregory going to the Cowboys with contract language. Like, screw this. You know, yeah. Broncos aren't giving me that. But um, yeah, this 2022 offseason, these two weeks have really showed this is changing. And- By the way, Randy, sorry, Randy Gregory is another example of the what you and I were talking about with character questions that have become accepted yes, when they shouldn't be. I mean, I'm totally shocked. I mean, he hasn't played. Last year, he missed five games and got six sacks. And that's actually the most games he's played and the most sacks he's had. And he goes out to get $14 million and he can dictate the language in the contract. We would never have seen that five or 10 years ago when, when you and I were actively doing this. That player would have really struggled to find a team and he would have had to take probably a low you know, short-term, kind of what we used to call prove-it type of deal. So Deshaun Watson is the face of this, and he's obviously the most impactful player and the one that got the most conversation. But there are other things happening that are reflecting the same kind of player empowerment and change of kind of, I'll say, moral emphasis from the teams. I mean, imagine the owners voted to create an emphasis on tampering, I mean, on, on, on taunting. Because they said they wanted to clean up the game and have it look good for young people in America, be a role model for youth. At the same time that they're giving Deshaun Watson a $230 million contract and Gregory a $14 million per contract. I mean, it it makes the whole taunting discussion seem absurd. It's okay to sign Deshaun Watson right now. It's okay to give him $230 million. But don't, you know, stand over somebody you just tackled and, you know, look down at them in a provocative way. That's a 15-yard penalty because we're trying to protect the youth of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and whatever language was in the Cowboys contract and it was supposedly, you know, maybe even void after a fine, if that's what they sign, that's what they sign, right? If, if that's what everyone signs, that's what they sign. But this was different because he had an option. If he didn't have an option, of course, he'd sign that language. And exactly. you're right. The Broncos don't care. Yeah. Because it's a free market. It's a market. And yeah. I know you got to run. Any last thoughts? I mean, we didn't even get to uh, the two best quarterbacks in the league coming back to their teams, Brady and Rodgers. 
um, in different situations. But uh, any last thoughts on this crazy couple of weeks? No, I mean, listen, as a fan and I, you know, mostly at these at this point, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's fun to watch. I think the balance of power in the league has been kind of out of whack for a while. Now we find, have to find the right thing so we don't hurt the game because that really is what drives everything for both the players and the owners. Um, but I remember eight years ago, I traded Trent Richardson in Cleveland. And one of the questions I was asked after I did it, besides being called a moron by everybody, um, was, do you think this is going to lead to a lot more trading in the NFL? Now, I'm not taking credit because I thought that had already started and that was just a highly visible example. But we see over eight years where that type of move, which 15 years ago wouldn't have happened. But eight years ago, we were kind of planting that seed and what's happened since. And we're still just seeing the beginning of where we're headed. I mean, that's what's kind of interesting to watch. And having been part of it, kind of think through, you know, what you do or what the league will do here as we go forward. Yeah. Joe, always a pleasure for you to come on and us to chat it up. I'm sure the listeners uh, love it. It's kind of a masterclass for the uh, NFL fans. Uh, my pleasure. Always enjoyed talking to you and uh, good being with you. Hope you all enjoyed this master class conversation with Joe Banner. We went into all things, as you heard, about the Sean Watson contract and conducting NFL business after that, in the light of that, with all the ramifications from that. Really, really uh, important podcast for you to listen to if you're interested in the business of sports, getting into sports, running a team, what goes on behind the curtain. I also do a newsletter, andrew-brandt.com, comes out every Sunday, the Sunday 7. And if you're really interested in getting together every week, hearing my daily instruction, go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL, andrew-brandt.com slash SBL for Sports Business League, where I give premium service to subscribers. Twitter, Andrew Brandt, Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2, Clubhouse, ADB719. Apple Podcasts and rankings are always appreciated. Share it with a friend if you would. We're produced by Brian Neal. Musical producer you hear under me is San Brent, my son. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. You heard me talk about DraftKings earlier. It's 21 and over. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text TN Redline. Or in Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Visit ccp.org slash chat. Or in New York... Call 1-877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Card is issued by MetaBank, member FDIC.